sang that was a good song. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, that was good stuff. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and when you get there, say amen, and you can stand in honor of God's Word. In fact, you can start to stand as you're turning there, because we're going to stand in honor of His Word, the way that we can know God, only way, through His revealed Word, amen? I'm just going to take this off right here. As many of you know, today is going to be deacon qualifications where we'll take a look at what Scripture says for those who will be appointing, uh, be appointing in two weeks and uh, to serve uh, our assembly or our congregation. And so, let's dig in. Amen? 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, or addicted to much wine, or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they ever are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be Husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I ask now, God, that you will give us discernment. I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that even though um, there are many ways that people try to interpret this. I pray that, God, we will see what your word is directing us to do as far as handling the operations of the church. This is a very important text because it applies to us all. And so, Father, help us to apply it to our lives so that we may bring you glory with the way that we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You must be seated. First thing I want to do is because I, I think it's vitally important for us to recognize that this happens. I'm going to bring up a, uh, a fundamental truth. It's going to be a new passage for you. You've probably never seen it before. All right, here you go. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. Okay, let's read it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Proverbs 14, 12 also says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction or death. Also, in 1 Corinthians, you see that where Paul says to take every thought Captive, but doesn't leave it at that. He says, taking it captive in obedience to Christ. So here's what these three verses are saying to us, is that what you, what I think, is most of the time, and let's just go ahead and put a number to it, 99.999999% wrong. We don't like that. We don't like to think that what we're thinking 
don't like to think that what we're thinking is wrong. But that's what Scripture shows us. And in fact, as far as to get as, uh, you know, a personal application, I find that most of the time that's true <laughs> in my own life. What? Brother Lee, you're a pastor. You think wrong? Yeah, I do. Often. And so what we have to do is, God's given us a standard to line our thoughts up. He says, do not be conformed by the world, but be renewed what? Tra oh, transformed by the renewing. I was, thank you, Brother Jason, and many of you others who let me know that. See, I was thinking wrong. <laughs> but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. And how do we renew our mind? It's through God's Word. And we must not come through God, to God's Word thinking this is what this means to me. There's a phrase that's called author's intent. You use it every day. Parents, when you talk to your kids, you do not want your kid to interpret by their own uh, understanding what you intend for them to do. You have something for them. When you want them to clean up their room, what do you want them to do? You want them to understand to clean up their room. But mom, I didn't, see, I didn't interpret it that way. I didn't, I interpreted it that you want me to clean up my room when I want to. See, we use this every day. And so when we come to Scripture, why is it that we change this? Well, this is what it means to me. I don't give a rip what it means to you. The author has an intent on what this text is talking about, and we must stick with that. Because when we try to reinterpret things, we get in trouble. Okay? And guess who's watching that? The lost world. Yeah, God is watching that, definitely. But the lost world's watching that, and they're saying, man, they're being so confusing to me. They're saying one thing, that they trust the Scripture, but then they're trying to re redefine what it says. Here's what's going on today in our text. Paul is giving us, and just before, a little bit of context, Paul is writing the first book, uh, first Timothy to Timothy and the rest of the church so that they would know how to fight for the, fight, uh, the good faith. It was actually in one of the songs we sang. I noticed that. It was kind of cool how that worked out. And what, he's, what he wants us to understand is he wants to prevent false teaching from coming into the church. He wants to present to us what godly leadership looks like. And he wants to prescribe what biblical doctrine or teaching. You'll see this as you flow through 1 Timothy. If you have not studied as a book as a whole, then I would uh, challenge you to do that. But then ultimately at the end, He's, he wants us to practice godliness in our life. And so he's lining up this whole manual for church administration. And he wants us to follow it. Here's the key verse, I believe, of the whole book. And you, if you don't have this underlined, you need to underline it. Okay? This is, and this is where we're going to be coming from in our direction of this text. Because uh, this is a purpose statement. But in case I am delayed, I write. He's telling us why he's writing. I write so that you will know what? How one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, where we're at right now. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Now let me ask you a question, just so that we can get a little bit of background here. Has the church stopped from being, in God's plan, has the church stopped being the, the church of the living God? No. The pillar uh, and support of the truth. 
No. Okay, so if, if we've not stopped that, then that means that what came before, we should hold still true, correct? And everything that is said in this book, we should still be applying to our life, in our daily church life, correct? Okay, because it has not changed. Sure, time has changed, but God's word is not. And his people are not to change on this. We are to stand. And this is what Hell's Chapel is going to be about, amen? Okay, let me say that one more time. This is what Hell's Chapel is going to be about, amen? Okay, so there's many out there that, that take some different things from this, okay? And we're going to dissect this and look at it, okay? And ultimately, we've got to say, which one is going to honor the Lord, okay? So let's look at it. The main idea I want you to get today is to choose wisely, all right? And so, number one, let's understand the role of godly deacons, okay? Now, look at what he says in verse 8. It's interesting. He starts out, he says, deacons, right? He says, deacons likewise. Now, the requirements of the deacons, what he's about to show us, when it says likewise, you look what's become before, right? So he gives all these qualifications for elders or pastors or overseers, depending on which one you want to use, okay? Uh, as far as my qualifications are mentioned in verses 1 through 7, okay? So if you would like to do this, and you're more than welcome to, line that up with my life. It's fine, okay? Now I'm going to go ahead and let you in on a little secret here, and you probably already know. Sometimes I'm going to fail at these, okay? I'm going to let you down in these. But here's the thing, what should be the deciding factor whether I remain pastor here is whether I deal with that or not. If I deal with the sin and I recognize it as sin and I deal with it in my own life and, and publicly, then guess what? I'm still qualified. But if I continue to live in a life of ungodliness, guess what you need to do? Boot me. Okay? Because if there's a man standing right here and he's preaching the, God, the Word of God, but he's not living it. He does not deserve to be here. And this does not mean that a man does not have mistakes. But the striving of my life, the striving of any man that stands in this pulpit, should be living the Word of God. Amen? And guess what, though? We may be looking at deacons here as far as the men that we're going to Pray to vote in to the next year to serve for the next three years. But this applies to us all. Because in the general sense of the term deacon, the general sense of it, we're all deacons. Because here's what the word means. It means humble servant. To wait on tables. Now how many of you like to be called that? Because I think the sad thing of it is, the, 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 the fact of the matter is that deacon, the position of deacon, has been misunderstood. We like to make it as a position, a high position of, look where I am at. I'm a deacon. But if we look at the actual definition of the term, it says humble servant. So think about this. Now, here down front, and my prayer is that they'll all get gone, but that doesn't mean one of you take 30 of them. But, uh, you know, each one you take them, pray over these things. I've given you some questions to, to, to think about and pray about some deacons that you may have come into your mind, okay? Some of them deal with questions that you're going to ask yourself. Some of them, the second half, deals with questions you're going to actually ask that person. Because if you cannot approach the person that you want to vote on and prayerfully consider them, you don't need to put their name on the ballot. 
Because you need, in order to find out, because some of you are new to this church. You're new members. And you don't know every deacon. You don't know every man in this church. So you need to find out these backgrounds from these people to make sure that they're qualified to fill this position or this service that God has called them to do. So the word means to wait on tables. And we're all to be servants of Christ. What did Christ do? He came to serve. So he gives us the ultimate example of that. Did Christ magnify himself? No. No, he didn't. I mean, you think washing people's feet magnifies yourself? No. But one day, he's going to come back. And he's going to come back as the rightful position that he already is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And guess what? We'll all stand before him for how we, we lived our lives, even how we handle ourselves within the church of God. Even the people that we select as deacons or leaders, you and I will answer for that. So is this serious? Yeah, I think so. Wait a minute. No, I don't think so. I know so because of what the Word of God says so. Yeah. Here's the way that I've, uh, when I was in school uh, at Southeastern, one of our uh, professors, he, we were going through this, and he gave a good illustration of trying to think of how you would uh, picture the pastor position and the uh, deacon position. And he says, pastors, you, just, you do uh, leader-servant. Capital L, lowercase servant, uh, lowercase s in servant. Then deacons, you would say servant-leader. Capital S, lowercase l in leader. And I think that's a great picture of how we see it because we see both the broad spectrum of how service and leadership comes together and unites as one. And so when we're in deacon meetings or when... Uh, deacons when we're together guess what god's given me a vision you know a couple weeks ago dan was still our pastor right and so he was our senior pastor and he had a vision for the church doesn't mean that dan had all the right answers but when he went to god's word he did okay and we were supposed to come in whether you're a deacon or a member and come in underneath that leadership the same thing applies to me right now i'm your acting pastor whether you like it or not. Some of you don't. Now, okay. I don't like it either. I, that's just the truth. Because guess what? I'm going to be held accountable for the direction of this church is led. You hear me? But are you listening? I don't like that. Leroy going to be held accountable for it. So that's serious, and I take this very serious. We can look in Acts chapter 6 where the new mem uh, where the pastor, in fact, let's turn there just briefly. Let's, let's just look at it because you're going to see why deacons were formed in the first place. And I think this is very vital to um, understanding who you're going to pray for, okay? Say amen when you're there. Good, there's a couple of you there. Now at this time, verse 1 of chapter 6, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve stumbled in the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us neither to, negle uh, to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from you 
uh, seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and then they selected several others. Uh, and then verse 6, And these uh, they brought before the apostles after praying, they laid their hands on them. And I'll save verse 7 for later on uh, because I think it's, it'll come back into play. And so we see that uh, that deacon, the position of deacon was, was established so that the deacons, these group of men, would help in guidance, uh, underneath the guidance of the pastor so that the pastor could devote himself to praying for you and I, for all of us, it takes some time, and also to the studying of God's Word. Okay? And so my, that is my calling as a pastor, is to study the Word of God and to pray for you. My calling, as far as this church, is not to go out and visit. That does not mean this. This does not mean I don't go out and visit. Okay? I've had some brothers come up to me lately to, to bring a concern, and I thank them for that. Because it does help us out in understanding what we need to do to better support this church and to help us to all come together unified. Amen? Right? I mean, that was good. But my responsibility as your pastor is to study the Word of God. Because just like we mentioned in the beginning, I can think the wrong things. And you don't want me up here preaching on my thinking. Amen? I don't want me up here preaching on my thinking. And so that takes many hours of study, and, and we have to do that. And so, in a general sense, let's, uh, let us remember that the, the position of deacon is just a position. It, what it is, is an example for us to follow. Okay? He's an example. It's, what it's saying is that, okay, because a lot of you would say this. Well, there's no way that I, well, you probably wouldn't say this according to me, but there's no way... <laughs> That we could follow Brother Lee. He's so holy. I know that's not me. Said, Thank you, buddy, for laughing at that because that helped comfort me in that. But, but what, what he's doing here, Paul has given us, and God's Word has given us another position that we can see of lay people, of you and I. And he's saying these people are serving God and they're living a life trying to please God and we want to take them and put them up. Because they're serving God. And so we want to say to the rest of the congregation, this is a model for you to follow. Now, ultimately, our example is Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay? But these men are going to be seeking and serving the Lord. And so these men, we want to not put up there so that they're up there on a pedestal, but so that Christ is magnified through their life, through their service. That's the role of a deacon. You're an example. Men, you're an example. Inactive or active you're an example some of you may be saying what does that example look like well i'm glad you asked because number two understand the requirements of godly deacons okay notice the key word godly okay because it's lining up with biblical with the bible with a biblical teaching okay because once again there's a way that we think but that's not always right so deacons, likewise, must be. These are requirements, okay? And so what we're going to see is that first, the first qualification that we see or the requirement is that he's rooted in his private life. 
He's rooted in his private life. Look, deacons likewise must be men of dignity. This means worthy of respect. These men know the time to play and the time to be serious. This does not mean that they go around like this. Hello, Brother Jason. How are thou? Thou art our well. Nice to see you. That's not what it means, okay? Because you and I, hopefully you've learned th through your relationship with me and, and fellowship, I like to kid around. But guess what? There's a time to play and a time to be serious. Amen? When it comes to the things of God and trying to understand what God wants us to do and the purposes of God, that's when we're to be serious. Amen? And this is what it's talking about, is that a man, this man is going to be a man of dignity where, he's, where people, not only in the church, they respect him, but also outside those doors, the lost world respects this man. Not because of their popularity, not because of their prestige, not because of all the possessions that they have, but because they are a humble man, loving the Lord, and he respects others, and so others respect him. This is a man worthy of respect. His characterized, he is characterized by serious, the seriousness things of God. And so a question to ask you, oh man, that may be considered, that you even have to ask your own self, am I serious about the things of God? And a question to ask you, person that knows Christ, which could be many of you in here, are you serious about the things of God? Because once again, this applies to us all. Look at what he goes on and he says, not double-tongued. He is consistent with his words. The double-tongued, basically, it, it gives us a picture of a snake with forked tongue, and he's deceitful and hypocritical. And, and you cannot depend on what he says. He twists the truth. He'll say one thing to Rob Dawkins and he'll say, man, I just want to let you know, Rob, I really support the shirt that you're wearing. It's a beautiful color on you. It looks good. Then he comes over to, to Tiffany. Uh, where are you at? There you are. I, I was, he comes over to Tiffany. You know what? That is an ugly shirt that Rob is wearing. I just want you to know that. Y'all see that? Now, as stupid as the example was, not Rob, but, you know, his shirt, um, <laughs> right he didn't even crack a smile <laughs> but uh you see what i'm saying saying one thing to one person and saying the complete opposite to another that's double tongue that man should not be in the service that man should not be an example that we hold up there's a thing called a backbone now i worked sheet metal for seven years before i came here and i've been here for seven years and my boss, when I first started there, I was probably about uh, 21, I guess. And uh, my boss always told me that I didn't have a backbone. I didn't have a back. I had a gristle. And I disagreed with him on that many times. You know, you're picking up metal pipe and stuff. And, and uh, now, those of us who went on Honduras, we figured out a lot about our backs when we went there. <laughs> but um, I didn't like to be told that I, I didn't have a back. And you know what? If your, line, if your life is not lined up with the Word of God, you will not have a backbone. You won't. You won't stand up for the truth. 
If you're not in his word and you're not, uh, you know, it even says with a clear conscience later on, and we'll get to that. But you won't stand up for the word of God. In fact, you'll be a peeper pleaser. And that does not honor God. And that person should not be held up in as an example. And so ask yourself, are my, am, I, am I consistent in the things that I say? Now think to you, now if you're not, guess what? God, if you're a believer, the Lord Jesus is going to reveal to you right now in your mind things that you were not consistent on. He does with me all the time. In fact, dealing with this, this passage, I had to deal with many of my own uh, life uh, experiences and confess them as sin. Oh, but here we get to the, 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 the meat, right, that everybody likes to hold to, all right? Not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain. And so what we see here is that not only is he characterized by seriousness in the things of God or consistent in his words, but he's controlled by the Spirit of God. And, and here's what it says. When it says addicting to much wine, it means this, not holding the mind on much wine. It means that he's not thinking about getting drunk. He's not thinking about drinking. He's not thinking about beer 30. Right? He's not thinking about that. Okay? His mind is controlled by the Spirit of God as the Word of God flows through his thinking. Now, you may say, but Brother Lee, that does not uh, prohibit us from, from drinking. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. And here's where we're going to clarify this, all right? So that you can understand. Turn to 1 Timothy, you're in the book, so turn to 1 Timothy 5.23. And I think we'll see something here. Because understand this, Paul writes these things so that we'll know how to handle ourselves in the household of God. And so he starts talking to Timothy at the end about how he should approach uh, different things. It says, verse 23, it says, No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent uh, ailments. Okay? So what's the problem going on in this culture? The bad water, right? And so why did Paul say to mix some drink with that? To kill, kill what was going to hurt him, right? Okay? All right, so... What we have to understand is, is that drink was diluted with water. Now, how many of you can go to the ABC store or the food line or wherever and get a drink that's diluted by water? Can't do it. We don't do that. We don't do that anymore. And here's why I would say, look, I've got a couple of verses for you anyway. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, I'll read it to you. Do not, be drunk, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, what does alcohol do to you? Say what? Okay, it dulls. And so it takes control, doesn't it? And so what he's saying here is to be controlled by the Spirit of God, not be controlled by anything else, especially wine or alcoholic drink. I don't think that you can honestly tell me that there is a reason for you to drink. I don't think you give me scriptural. Because here's... Well, Brother Lee, here's one. Well, here's another one for you to counter that, because I don't even have to hear it. Are you, is there any possible way that you could help a bro or cause a brother from the past, the present, or the future to stumble in Christ drinking? 
And the answer is going to be yes. Therefore, that's why I do not drink. Therefore, that's why a man in this position should not drink. Therefore, that's why any Christian, no Christian, should drink. Because even you can look in our culture, when drinking, what is drinking associated with? Having a good time, wickedness, evil. So why would you want to associate yourself with that? Hey, here you go. I know I'm going to step on your toes, but when you go down the road, at least this used to be a lot in my life, um, when I drive down the road and I see a billboard and it is a cigarette uh, billboard, who's usually on that billboard? A half-naked woman. So you may get upset with me that I'm mentioning these vices, but here's the truth of the matter. Are we going to, are we going to set ourselves as an example before the church and before the lost world of what holiness is, or are we just going to want to do things our way because it makes us feel good? But let's not do this, because here's where a lot of people go wrong in looking at this text. We're going to go out and we're going to not let the drunkards be in the, this position of example, but we're going to let all the double tongue. We don't care about that. That's not that big thing. Well, he never mentions which, one, which requirements are the most important. In fact, he says must be, which means all of them mean the same. You hear me? Or are you listening? So when we recognize these men, but you could be saying this, but Brother Lee, man, that, that, that releases all the, uh, most of the men in our church. Well, okay. Because <laughs> let me ask you a question. Do you want this church to be led by unqualified men just because we had low numbers? I mean, let's ask ourselves that. You know what I'm saying? Or would you rather have three qualified men leading as an example of service in this church? Okay, so we got to ask ourselves this question. Now, these questions are going to be hard to ask. Amen? But is it serious? Or fond of sordid gain, does he look at this position as a means to enhance his financial gain? Is he a good handler of money? Because as a deacon... There, there's times where you will handle that. It's interesting in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, he addresses this with Timothy again. For the love of money is, the root, is a root of all sorts of evil. By some longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So your question is, to yourself and to the man that you may be considering for this position... Are you controlled by the Spirit of God? Is it seen through the way that you handle alcohol? Is it seen through the way that you handle money? So we're going to see all aspects of this man's life that you should be um, considering. Look at verse 9. But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Basically, here's what it's saying. He's committed to the Word of God. He holds on to it. The word of God, and he heeds to it. He not only wants to stand for it, but he says, look, I'm going to play it out in my life. And line that up. He says, look at my life and line it up to God's word. And if you see any flaws in me, then I'll deal with that. That's the man you want to be as your deacon, 
as an example to hold up to others. But you ask them, Sir, how many times have you been in God's Word this week? Oh, you went through this. What did God teach you in that? What are you learning? How are you applying it to your life? But you know, here's the thing is we don't like asking questions like that because they're not playing out in our own life. And that's sad. But let me ask you something. How many of you have children in here? How many of you have children? Okay, and they could, some of them could be grown, all right? When they were at the age of about three, four, five, if you can remember that far back for some of you, there were certain things that they learned about that time, right? Okay, when they first started growing up, I guess. When they got 10, 11, 12, 13, do you as a parent still handle those things? Do you still address them like, Jenna, make sure you go poopy in the potty. You know, make sure you do this. No, you don't handle it. I mean, if you do, if you're still addressing problems in your child's life that, they were, that you were dealing with 10 years ago, there's a problem, wouldn't you say? Right? And those are basic things of our life, Right? So every time you get older, there's going to be new things that you learn about yourself. Well, here's the basics of knowing the Lord. Spending time with Him in prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study. You want me to keep going? Because I can't. Those are basic things. So when I go up to a man, or if I even, look, this is what saddens me. I've got a small group on Sunday nights where I have young men that are in that group, and there's one of them that does his quiet time every day. One of them. Everybody else in my group, and most of you don't know who's in my group, so I don't have to mention this, all right? But most of them only do one quiet time a, a week. One day a week. One day a week. That's sad, because these are basics of Christianity. I've been a Christian for, whoa, this August will be 20 years. Sounds weird. <laughs> but this August will be 20 years that I've been a believer in Christ. And I have, to, I have to say, you know what, Lee? You should be over not having a quiet time. You should be over that a long time ago. Does that mean that you're not going to struggle? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that you're going to, when that struggle comes up, you're going to nip it. Nip it into what? That's right. Oh, Barney Fox. Well, tell you what. I love him. Y'all didn't think I knew who that was, did you? <laughs> With a clear conscience that there's nothing in his daily life or our daily life that contradicts what we say we believe. It is enough to sit in meetings and decide how to run a church. These men must base their decisions on the Word of God and back up these decisions with godly lives. Warren Wiersbe said this. Here's a verse for you from your quiet time. I think I got it up there. No, I already did that one. Yeah, there it is. How can a young man keep his way pure? By what? Keeping or heeding according to the word of God. 
If you're not studying the Word of God, you have no right to be put up as an example in the church. Amen? And you have no right to profess that you're a Christian either. Sorry, it may make you mad, but hey, that's the truth of the matter. Are you committed to the Word of God? Is this man committed to the Word of God? Look at verse 10. So he's not only rooted in his private life, but he's respected in his public life. Look at verse 10. It says, These men also must be first tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. And so there's a very, uh, we need to understand this, that that this word tested doesn't mean that there's some kind of class that they have to take in order to be a deacon. But what does it mean is that we are, we're in examining this man's life as, he is, as we're considering him, we're examining his life always, continual. doesn't just stop when he becomes the, the deacon or in that position. It doesn't stop. It means that as he is, we're going to continue to examine him according to the word of God, see if, he comes up, if he's meeting up to these qualifications or that he's dealing with these qualifications in his own life, okay? And so the test, it means like, you know, when you heat up metal, what happens to the trash? Floats to the top, right? So that means that when he's being tested, we're, we've got our eyes on him. God's got his eyes on him. And he's testing these things out to try to bring out the impurities in his life so that he'll deal with those things. So the more that I get into God's Word, I'm starting to see there's more impurities in my life that I need to deal with. This is what we want to be and as, a, as an example in our church. I don't care if he's the mayor of South Emmett, right? Or the governor of Johnston County. We pick with Jeffrey all the time with that. What, and uh, what's Jeffrey? The czar? Isn't that what Jeffrey, I mean, Joe is the czar. That's what Jeffrey calls him. Doesn't matter what position you hold in this society. <laughs> as silly as those are, we like to kid around, but it does not matter. What matters is the way that you live your life according to the word of God, amen? He's proven blameless, and then he's continued to be proven blameless as he lives. Here's the question. Am I faithful? Is he faithful in the little things? Here's a couple of things. Church attendance. Is he here on a regular basis? And I don't mean just Sunday mornings preaching. I don't even mean Sunday school. If you're going to be an example to this church, guess what you need to be? An example to this church. And that means church attendance. That means when most of the time, I don't mean every time this, these doors are open. But I mean, most of the time, if you can't make it on Wednesday night, there's a problem. Now, there's one thing if you, you're working during the week and you're out of town and you can't make it. I understand that. In fact, we have one of our deacons that that happens in his life. And guess what? He makes up for it in other ways. And I honor that. I respect that. But when we just want to say, we just want to have this position, we say, you recognize me because I'm a deacon but I won't show up to anything. There's something wrong with that. I might get some phone calls this week. <laughs> How about tithing? Are you honoring God through tithing? 10% should be just the start. 
should not be what keeps going on. Sharing Christ. This man that we want as an example should be outward focused. Amen? Because it lines up with God's word. Bible study and prayer. It should be evident to the lost world that he stands on the word of God. It should be evident to us that he stands on the word of God and that he's praying for us. It should be evident to the lost world that he's praying for them. Not to magnify himself, but to show concern. These are men that we want to be there. I saw a truck um, driving down 64 Bypass the other day. It was the Woods Company. I think it's construction. It said, tested, proven, and unbeatable. And that's the kind of man I want to be as an example to us. Unbeatable doesn't mean he's not going not gonna to sin. But it does mean that he's going to deal with it according to the word of God. And that because the spirit of God lives in him, he's going to continue to push forward. That's what that means. But also in verse 11, he's responsible in his personal life. I know time is, oh man, and this is the big one that nobody likes, right? He's responsible in his personal life. Look at what it says. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons... Hmm, that's kind of interesting. He just went back to that. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of the children and their own household. Now, it's interesting that the women, uh, many, there's some people that think that this meat refers to women deacons. Okay? Um, I don't see that here because of the context. They would say that the word likewise tries to open up a different section. But what you use with the word likewise is you look what's come before, right? The what's come before He's addressing the men of dignity, the deacons themselves, okay? And so he's saying, likewise, these women, and that word for women can also be used for wives, okay? So that's where the conversation comes in. So it looks to be pointing to that these women are deacons' wives. Now, you may not like that, but here's where I would say, because uh, here's what's been pointed out to me. Well, let's go to six, uh, Romans uh, 16 1 in fact i've got that right before us hmm i commend you to I, I commend to you our sister phoebe who is a servant of the church which is in in uh i uh, can't even say it secrete korea the word servant is the word deacon here okay now here's the interesting thing they say that this refers to her being a deaconess i don't see that because here's the context if you look at the context of what Paul's doing in chapter 16, he's addressing many names. Look at all those names. There's male and female names in that list, okay? He is not once in those other names mentioned an office in this church. He's mentioned their service, the work that they do for the Lord. So for us to jump and take the leap of saying that Phoebe was a deaconess as far as an office in the church... That's a big jump, and it can get us in a lot of trouble. You understand? Y'all see that? May not agree with it, but that's, but that's what he's saying in that context. There's no Greek word for the word deaconess. But I think Paul clarifies himself, if we just look at the context of this, and culture, just because the culture has changed, does not mean that the church and the word of God has changed. Sure, hey, look, here's the thing, guys. 
There's a lot of people that are not qualified to be deacons, but guess what? That position of example, there's plenty of other places in this church that they can serve, whether you're a woman or a man. So my question is, is why is it that you want to be a deacon? Because it is a position of service. Well, you can serve without being a deacon. Amen? So here's the next question. What's the next reason you want to be a deacon? Whether you're a woman or a man. Oh, so I can hold a position. You may not say that, but that's what that's pointing to. So we may not like this, but this is where this church has stood, and we're going to continue to stand by this. And I wish I would hear an amen with that. Because when you take a basic reading of God's word, that's where it's leading. Let's continue to be the... Uh, and so if, when it's talking about his wife, she must be dignified. She must not be a malicious gossip. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to keep going. Because here's the thing. When you look at that man of God and considering him for the position of deacon or example in this church, guess who you also need to be looking at? His wife. Is she a gossip? Then guess what that does for the man? Disqualifies him. We need to take this seriously. All of these requirements, God is not just, oh, he'll just overlook that one. No, he takes them very seriously. She's also to be reliable, faithful in all things, just like the deacon as far as the man. Deacons must be husbands of one wife. Okay, there's some people that say one wife at a time. Or that he's just adri uh, addressing polygamists. No. Okay, these are to be examples. Okay, we hold to here because of what the basic reading of this scripture says. That the man nor his wife was, is to be divorced at any time. A one woman kind of man. That's where we hold, and we're going to stand by that. There's plenty of other places for you to serve. And this is not saying that you cannot, that you're not a godly person if you've been divorced. It's not saying that. Let me say that again. It is not saying that. But here's what happens. God wants to place before the lost world an example. That means in all aspects of our lives. Are these things forgivable? Yes, they are. And praise God they are. Amen? And can God still work in you and through you and on you? Yes, and He does. But if we want to play these little word games, then I believe our focus is off. There's a lost and dying world out there that's going to die and go to hell. And he wants us to unite together on what his word says by author's intent. And here's the truth of the matter. As the pastor of this church right now, I'm going to stand to the strictness of this interpretation. Because here's what's going to happen. Once again, I'm going to stand before God. And I'm going to have to answer to him for how I led this church and how this church was led. And here's what's going to happen. He's going to say, if I say, okay, we'll let a, uh, women deacons in here. He'll ask, why? 
Well, you know, it really didn't say specifically not to. And so I just went on my own thinking and thought it would be all right. You think that would honor the Lord? Instead, God, you know what? 100% sure, no, I wasn't. It says this, it says that. And so in order to not profane your name in any way, I took the strictest approach to this and said a, a man that had never been divorced and that there would never be a, a woman deacon here. I took the strictest understanding of this text. Which do you think would honor the Lord more? And that's where I stand. And I'm going to continue to do so. And that's where this church is going to stand. Now, people in the community might not like that. Well, guess what? They don't have to answer for how this church is led. I do. And you do too. For those men that are going to be elected in here. And here's another one. He has control over his children. Twelve. We just read that. Why is it that pastor's kids and deacon's kids are always the ones that get looked at and say, Oh my goodness, I cannot believe it. They're sinners. My daughter, she's a pagan. You may not like that, but she is. That's what the Word of God says. I didn't have to teach her how to lie. Didn't have to teach her how to say, mine. She does it naturally. She has a sinful nature. Now, does that mean that I'm not going to uh, instruct her in the ways of the world, uh, Lord? <laughs> I just want to see if y'all are awake. <laughs> no, but no, I'm going to invest my life in that child with love and, and Bible teaching. But you know what? She has a decision. And don't look, and you should, you know, the, here's what it means is that I have control over her. That she will get disciplined when she acts up. When she's running around like a heathen, like she is, she's going to naturally do that. If she grows up and doesn't accept Christ, if she's cussing, she's going to do that. But as long as she's in my house, if, she, if she's going wild, buck wild, then, hey, guess what? I'm going to handle that. And if I don't, guess what you need to do? Boot me. Disqualification. Understand the results of godly deacons as we really quick look at verse 13. I know you are like, Phew. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing, the word is a, a pedestal there, uh, and a great confidence in the faith. So he's been examined, he's done well, he's done the job that God has wanted him to do, and he's obtained, because you are mimicking the attitude of Christ, he has purchased or acquired this, this standing before the congregation and this standing before the lost world that people respect him. And they want to mimic the way that he's living because it says, even Paul says this, be imitators of me just as also I am of Christ. And so God's given us examples to follow, ultimately the example of Christ, but other believers, we, we can watch them. And he'll also be effective. The great confidence, he'll have boldness to speak. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He understands the importance of living a holy life and he recognizes the results of that is that he will be able to speak and proclaim the wonderful grace of God. And in Acts 6, verse 7, it talks about how the church grew because people were doing their roles. People were doing what God had called them to do. And you, as a, as a con person in this congregation, your role is to pray for me, to pray for our deacons, 
and to consider to line up everything that we're about with Scripture. My role as your pastor is to teach and preach the Word of God and to pray for you that you will be heeding and holding on to the Word of God. We're all to be that together. Amen? There's a, my favorite movie is Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Well, one of my favorite movies. How many of you have seen that? Pretty awesome. If you're not, you need to see it. Anyway, it's like for the search of the Holy Grail. Indiana Jones and, and two others are at the end of the movie. They're in his, his dad's shot. So in order for him to be healed, he had to get water that was in the Holy Grail. So he walks into this room, and there's all these cups. Uh, and, and, and the bad guy of the movie, he says, uh, he says I'm going to choose, right? He chooses first, and he starts looking what's the most elegant and uh, beautiful cup with all the, the jewels, and, and I mean, it was bling, bling. That's what he was looking for, for some of you young folks. Um, that's what he was looking for, and he gets it, right? And he takes it and puts it into the water, and he drinks it, and of course, then he, he dies. He, like, shrivels up. It was, instead of life, it gives him death. So he dies, right? And so Indiana Jones is over there, and he's like, what can I do? What can I choose? And he's looking around at all these cups, and he says, what kind of vessel, what kind of cup would a carpenter use? And he looks, and there's a cup that a carpenter uses, and he drinks it, and he sees that he doesn't die, and he goes to his dad, and he pours the water on his dad's wound, and he's healed. And it shows us that every single one of us is a vessel to be used by God or to be used by man. Which vessel are you going to be looking for when you try to choose who will serve this church in that capacity? How will you choose, wisely or poorly? You may be here, and you may be falling asleep on me. That's between you and God. But here's the deal. You may be in here and you don't have a relationship with Christ. You split that door wide open and you, and you get hit and you die. And you go to, you, you'll spend eternity in hell because you don't know Christ. Christ is the only way. If you have questions about that, come and see me. Right now, I would just ask that you would consider coming and praying for your deacons. Those who are going to be in the future. So as Brother Jason leads this invitation uh, and uh, Trill will come and play. Let's go to, a, um, to prayer. Father.